We sang this song today, Come Thou Long-Expected Jesus, that uh, he was born to set people free from their fears and sin and, and release us from our sins. Let us find our rest in thee. It's the first Sunday of Advent, and, and the theme of this first Sunday of Advent is to be on the watch, to join the watch, to begin looking for the Christ who is coming. I want to take a moment, though, to recognize that not everybody in the world is as excited about Jesus coming and being in power as people that love him are. Do you know why people in our, in our country that don't know Jesus very well aren't as excited about a Christian government as Christians are? Do you know why? Any ideas? It's because, since, since nobody's volunteer, I was going to give you some room. It's because we haven't actually had a Christian government yet. We've had pe- Christians trying to be Christian in the way they govern, but we haven't had Christ in charge of a government yet. So we haven't had a truly Christian government yet. And by that, I don't mean to impugn people that tried to rule, by, uh, tried to lead by Christian principles. What, what I'm trying to say is, is that humans make mistakes. I was having this conversation. I, I talked about this a little bit in the first service. Um, I've been learning a lot from my son these last couple of years. Is every time he comes home, he talks about something. I have no idea that that happened in the world and that it was possible because he's studying stuff that's beyond me. But he was studying a class, and I'm going to share this, and, and he talked about it. He's taking a class on, on that essentially involves knowing what happened at every nuclear accident that's happened in the world and about what happened. And there is one simple theme that goes on, and it's something my dad would say, the nut behind the dial is the problem. Right, operator error. People make mistakes. Even the best-intentioned people make mistakes. You've noticed that when, when people made mistakes around you and it bugged you, and, but their intentions were good, and maybe you were angry about it or maybe you weren't. Or maybe you've noticed it when you tried to do something really amazing for somebody and it didn't quite go right. That, that there tends to be this spot, this nut-behind-the-dial theory. And so I want to talk to you a little bit about why people in our world maybe aren't as excited about Christ in charge of everything as we are if we know him. And it goes like this. It's almost the same reason why people are really, in my opinion, why people are more afraid of nuclear energy than they are of some of the other forms of energy in our world. They don't know anything about it. They think they know a little bit about it, but what they think they know is really scary, so they don't know it. But then they go, ooh, let's not do anything. Do you have any spot in your world where there's something that you're afraid of, and so you just don't do anything with it? You just say, I don't go there. Maybe you don't go in, you, you've got spots like that? Right.
Okay. 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 So, so, and as, as there's there's an example of that. I know some people that are afraid of dark rooms. Do you walk into rooms without turning on the light? Maybe just a room you're used to, <laughs> right? Maybe not a room in a house. Or, or one of my favorite things to not do is to walk through this building when the alarm's gone off at night because I don't know what I'm going to find. Now, how do we begin to... I, wa- I want you to recognize that most of us are comfortable a little bit with Jesus because we've gotten to know him a little bit. He, start- he started to work in our lives, and we start to get comfortable, and we start to know more about him, and so we trust him. But there's a whole group of the world who, as we watch for the second coming of Christ, as we enter into the memory of his first coming to look for his fulfillment in his second coming, that's what Advent's about. Did you know that? That, that we're not going, boy, I sure hope he comes for the first time this Christmas. No, we're saying he came and we're remembering that and we're going to start being watchful for his fulfillment of what he started. But there are people that are afraid of that and some of it is because the Christians in the world maybe haven't done an awesome job representing Christ everywhere they go. Do you know any of those Christians who haven't done an awesome job representing Christ? Have you ever experienced any of that in the world? Have you experienced it? I know you've experienced it in Colville when the pastors are all fighting and suddenly they're writing letters to the editor against each other and, and arguing about it. And then the people that don't know Jesus go, well, they're no different from us. They just argue about all these little things. And, and suddenly they think, Maybe the other stuff they do isn't different from anything I know, and I don't know anything about that, so I don't want anything to do with it. I said this in the first service. I want us to take a moment, instead of saying, you shouldn't be afraid, I want us to take a moment to sort of kneel near somebody that you know that's afraid. Just kneel into that fear for a little bit and understand that you really don't know what the end result of what Christ's fulfillment will be either. But you trust him because you know a little bit about him. And as you get to know him, you trust him with a little bit more. And and you start to get to the spot where you could actually move farther into his world and go, I do trust him. I don't know what it means, but I trust him because because you've gotten to know him a little bit. It, it happened to me just this last week. Some of you know that I worked on the Hanford site for a number of years as an illustrator, that I, that I had the highest clearance that, that illustrators have, and I had a lot of knowledge about what was going on out there. And so maybe I'm more comfortable with some nuclear uh, information than you are because I've got more information. But I was asked this question this last weekend from somebody. Uh, you know, what are the chances Hanford will just blow up? And I looked at the gentleman and I said this. I said, did you know that even a nuclear bomb has to have an outside, has to have a, a warhead attached to it to blow it up to start the whole thing? You don't just drop them and they hit and then the fracture happens. They have, a, they have an explosive device attached to the nuclear stuff in order to start the reaction. 
Hanford doesn't have one of those, those bombs attached to one of those spots that are in just the right configuration to do that. So it's unlikely that a Hanford will just spontaneously blow up. But there was somebody that didn't know anything about Hanford that thought that that might happen because they didn't know anything. And so I want you to take a moment just to, when you run into somebody who's a little afraid of what Christ will do in their lives, I want you to take a moment to recognize that that isn't necessarily unreasoning fear. Maybe it's fear out of lack of knowledge. Just like we get when we don't know something about something, we get afraid. Or, or we know that there's a nut behind the dial someplace. Because there are that. So how do we do this? How do we watch for, for this impending event? Because that's what I'm going to say. This impending event, let's read this from Isaiah. This is what we're talking about. This is Isaiah chapter 2. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's house will be the highest of all, the most important place on earth. It will be raised above the other hills, and the people from all over the world will stream there to worship. People from many nations will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of Jacob, his God, and he will teach us his ways, and we will walk in his paths. For the Lord's teaching will go out from Zion, and his word will go out from Jerusalem. The Lord will mediate between the nations and will settle international disputes. Now we know that that's not really happened yet. Not yet. Not yet. They will hammer their swords into plowsheds, shares, and their spears into pruning hooks, and the nations will no longer fight against nation nor train for war anymore. Come, descendants of Jacob, let us walk in the light of the Lord. Now, I want to I get to the spot that I'm at this morning as I watch, as I wait as I watch for the first Sunday of Advent, as that's the, the experience that, that I want to highlight as watching, is that text was specifically all about all the great things that are coming, and then it says to the people of God, now you, now you walk in his ways. Now you walk in his ways. It doesn't say, by the way, you've done such a good job at doing it already. This is already going to happen. He said, this has happened. Now I'm calling my people to walk in my ways. So that as we watch, we can be watchers who watch as people ready for what's coming. Now, how do we do that? Because there's often, when something's coming, there's usually two responses, fear and hope, depending on what it is, right? Those are normally, something's coming, you're either going to be afraid of it or you're going to be hopeful of it. And, and Regardless of which side of the election on, you're either fearful of it or you're hopeful. Maybe you're fearful for the next election. Maybe you're hopeful for the next election. But fear is often, in this case, when it's Christ coming, it's a position of not knowing what will happen. And so if we don't want to be afraid and we want to walk in his ways, I'm going to suggest we do a couple of things. And one is that I want, to, I want us to change, if we will, the way we read our Bibles. Now, I want to add something to the way you read your Bible. 
Some of you read your Bible and you do this thing and, and you're in the Bible studies that are here during the week and you say, well, I want to learn something and so I'm going to read and I'm going to, I'm going to look for whatever's going on attached to that and I'm going to go back and forth and I'm going to read. Now, that's, that's a good type of reading where you're lear- reading to learn more and you have something specific in mind. Some of you come to the Bible and say, I wonder what the Bible says about this issue in my life and I want to do the research on that. Same thing. Good stuff, but it's not what an author of a book that I just read suggests is the best way to read the Bible. He says, do it as a discipline. Go to it and read it so that the Bible can have its way in your life on its time frame. Put it in you. Soak in it. Read this love letter that God has written to you Read it. Read it again. Put it in you. Keep putting it in you. Keep letting it have its way. That way, when something comes up like this, this is Psalm 93, which which just popped right up in the first service. The Lord is king. He is clothed with majesty and strength. The earth is is set firmly in place and cannot be moved. Your throne, O God, has been firm from the beginning and you existed before time. The ocean depths raise their voice, O Lord, and they raise their voice and roar. The Lord rules supreme in heaven, greater than the roar of the ocean, more powerful than the waves of the sea. Your laws are eternal, Lord, and your temple is holy indeed forever and ever. Now that is a future vision of what will be shown that has already happened. God's already in charge. We just don't see the recognition of it. But there's some stuff in there that if you don't actually think that the Christians are doing a very good job, you'd be a little worried about the God of the Christians being in charge, wouldn't you? If you've seen the way Christians treat each other sometimes, do we always treat each other just perfect? No. And we don't. But that's, that's because... For two reasons. One, in my viewpoint, is we've forgotten that we are to be people that seek out the presence of God. Now we do it, there's three ways that we can do that. The first way that we can do that is that we can read his word and we can just seek out his presence in it and just ask for it to be fulfilled in us and just read and read and read and get to know that love letter. That's the first one. That's why I presented it first. The second one is this. Have you ever seen God at work in your community and then just gone and joined him in the work? Now, some of you would say, I don't actually think God's working in Colville. I know that some of you would say that. I'm telling you that there's, there's a, there is something afoot in Colville right now, and I'm super excited about it, that, that I mentioned it already, where, where the pastors were sort of publicly disputing everything. You know, you know, we've got somebody leading the charge in this community to say, let's stop that and let's get to know each other a little bit better so we can stop being afraid of each other. Next time you see Lloyd Ward, give him a pat on the back and tell him thank you for that. Because as we get to know people, we begin to understand them and become less afraid of where they'll do it, where they'll lead us. Well, that's where God's working in the, minister, in the pastors in our community. What about somewhere else? 
can anybody think of a place where God's working in their life? Just don't say it, just think about it. Some place down in the nitty-gritty. I know some of you have come and served on Monday at meals here. Is God at work in those meals? Is God taking care of needs? Is God changing hearts? Is God changing the hearts of the workers in those meals? I've seen it. I know it's there. So we join him in his work where he's calling us. So we become seekers of his presence, even in the daily lives wherever we go. The third place is we come to worship him. We come to give him thanks and we worship him because because not only has he sought us out and written a letter and told us how much he loves us and done stuff for us, but as he's started to do work in our lives, um, praise should naturally just burst forth from us as we watch for his presence. We become people of God's presence, the people that seek his presence, that come to his presence, that then mediate his presence to other people in a way that's different from the way it's been done in the past. The example that I like to think of, again, is come up to somebody who's a little afraid of being Christians, and instead of telling them they're wrong, just be with them for a moment in the spot where they're afraid. And understand that maybe when you didn't know anything about Jesus, you were afraid in the same spot. Patience, kindness, the mediation of God's loving presence in our lives as we become a people of his presence. A people called to seek his presence, a people called to live in his presence, and a people called to help him expand the number of people that know his presence. I was going to read this other verse, but I'll gloss it for you. This is from Luke 10. Mary has an angel in front of her. A little bit afraid. A little bit afraid. Um, the, The Bible says, don't be afraid. Or in the Greek, you can you can squeeze out of it a little bit. Don't be afraid any longer. There's no reason to continue being afraid. That, that his presence is coming as we watch and wait. Are you a watcher and a waiter right now for God's presence in your life? Good. Now, as you see it, go join it. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for today. I thank you for the way that you um, work in our lives, the way that Peace comes through understanding, that understanding comes from experience, that experience comes from you moving. And as we watch, that we could be at peace, that we could have the spiritual understanding of peace as we practice the discipline of preparedness, that we would prepare ourselves to seek your presence, to watch for your presence, to be a people of your presence, Lord Jesus. In your precious name, amen.